Alrighty. So I started last week's uh, sermon uh, thanking uh, Dante, one of the one of the uh, our volunteers here, who's been helping us out a lot. Dante's been killing it. He's been doing all kinds of things, learning all kinds of things. I am super thankful for him. Um, but I also wanted to, you know, spend a little bit of time before I get started today, just talking about how thankful I am for for, for Joseph, uh, our worship leader here, and and uh, Reagan, his wife as well. They have been uh, doing an incredible job with uh, all of the, the the music and the worship that we have been doing here at Wayfarers. It's it's kind of funny. I. Uh, we do this weekly podcast, uh, we call it a weekly deep dive on Wednesdays, and the one that we just finished this last week was all about the weird relationship that Christians in the U.S. have with money sometimes, and the weird way we are about like paying people, and I talked about how valuable and important it is for me to pay uh, people who work here at the church really well, and Noah, who our teaching pastor who was on it with me, was just like, yeah, I, I appreciate you, you know, he said, you do pay really well, and it was funny, as we were finishing talking about it, we were like, you know what, but like, I don't want people to get the wrong idea, I, I want to be extra clear, Joseph and Reagan, they do all of this as volunteers. They put in so much work, and I'm just so thankful for the, like, just above and beyond effort that they do here at the church uh, for free. Um, we we, we want to we remedy that. If you guys want to, you know, like, be a part of the helping us get them paid, uh, go to our website, wayfarerscc.com. There's a donate link donate there all of that money any donations that we are getting in it right now all of it is going just to pay staff members here at the church um, because we do we want to pay uh, good living wages to everybody that works here so anyways uh, just uh, as an introduction in case you don't know who I am my name is uh, Nick Griffin I am the lead pastor here at Wafers Christian Church and uh, over the last few weeks we have been doing a, a sermon series where we have been walking through uh, the Sermon on the Mount um, and, and and looking at some of the various different sections of it we've been <laughs> we've been taking our time we've been going just a few verses at a time uh, through the whole Sermon on the Mount and um, Today, we have gotten to one of the most uh, famous and most well-known, most memorized verses in all of the Bible, and one of the ones that is uh, most memorized by people, even who don't realize it's from the Sermon on the Mount. So I wanted to start today's sermon by just, by just reading uh, this passage for you, and it comes from Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 5. Listen to the words of Jesus here, the word of the Lord. And it says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. The Lord's Prayer it's one of those uh, famous passages, like I said, that a, a lot of people know. A lot of people have memorized it. A lot of people maybe don't realize that it actually comes right in the middle of this sermon of, of, of Jesus, where he is explaining what it is like to live the Christian life. I have a particular moment in my life that I always think about whenever I am uh, reading this passage about the Lord's Prayer. And um, it is kind of from when I was... Um, I was trying to remember exactly how old I was. I think I was maybe like 11, 11 or 12 at the time. I've mentioned a few times before that my parents uh, were were missionaries who um, had traveled to other parts of the world um, to to share the gospel with people, especially areas of South America. And whenever I was uh, about 11 or 12, my parents took me and my brother on this really, really awesome trip to the country of Costa Rica, um, where we got to uh, do all kinds of really uh, amazing adventures, a lot of really cool things. We got to hike into the middle of uh, this remote part of the rainforest there in Costa Rica, which was just this amazing experience for me. But this one experience that I'm remembering from that trip in Costa Rica was actually when we took a uh, a trip to to visit a very uh, famous uh, cathedral that is uh, is there in in Costa Rica. Um, it's 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 called the 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 Cathedral of Our Lady of the Angels. Uh, Nuestra Señora de los Ángeles is what they would call it in Spanish. Um, it is this 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 very grand uh, cathedral there in Costa Rica. Um, the the inside of it is just like incredibly ornate, um, and it was just this this really beautiful um, site, kind of a tourist site that a lot of people will go and check out. Um, it is a, a Catholic church, uh, as is, is common all throughout Costa Rica there, a Catholic cathedral. And I was somebody who was not, uh, I didn't grow up as a part of the uh, Catholic uh, denomination, and I was not very familiar with Catholicism. And I'm a kid at the time, so I'm, I'm pretty impressionable. And uh, this one moment just really stuck out to me where we were standing in the courtyard outside of that, that really uh, grand cathedral. And I saw this man that was on his hands and knees, uh, like, like crawling like a baby across the, the, the courtyard steps. And he crawled all the way up the steps of that cathedral, all the way into the cathedral, and crawled again on hands and knees on all fours all the way up to the altar at the front of that cathedral. And I asked my dad, what's this guy doing? What's, what's going on? Is he okay? Does he need help? What's going on with him? And um, my dad asked the, our missionary friend who was there with us, a guy who does mission work there in Costa Rica, and he explained to us that this was a pretty common practice in various parts of Central and South America where uh, people would have a particular uh, request that they would make of God and they would they would make a promise that if God would would do this thing for them, if He would maybe heal a child that was sick at the moment, or if He would maybe help them get a job that they really wanted to get, they they would make these promises where if if He would do that for them, then they would e- express their devotion to Him by by 
uh, crawling from their home uh, all the way to the altar of these grand cathedrals that were all over Costa Rica. And there's this very interesting practice that I was uh, very just kind of put off by, I remember even as a kid, and even now as I think back on it, it was just this kind of weird thing where, where people would um, would kind of do these, these, these grand performative measures um, as a way, uh, they would promise those things to God as a, as a way to get God to do um, something for them. And I think it's actually this kind of behavior that Jesus is condemning in this passage. Uh, Jesus is talking about prayer here. And prayer is one of those things that we, we all think that we know what it's about or what it's like or what it's for. But, but Jesus is, is teaching us a very important lesson about the way most people pray. You see, I think most people pray in ways that are very similar to that man that was just trying to, like, make a promise to God. In a lot of ways, a lot of us desire, we're praying because we want God to give us something. We want God to do something for us. And uh, we think that the way we can get that thing from God is if, is if we pray. Praying is the way that we can, you know, give something from God. It's kind of like God is this vending machine. You insert one prayer token and he's going to give you whatever you want. And because that's the idea most of us have of prayer, we, we're always like very specific about making sure that we pray in the right way, you know? And so a lot of people will want to be like, I want to make sure I use the right words when I pray. I want to make sure I don't say anything that I'm not supposed to say. I want to make sure that I, uh, that I pray, um, in a way that is going to, is going to, you know, be the, the, the most public and the most well-known. There's all these questions that we have about the best ways to pray. And lots of times we're trying to get those techniques exactly right. Not because we really care about the prayer, (laughs) but because we care about getting something back from God. We, we, we think if I can just like pull all these levers, get all of this lined up exactly the way I'm supposed to, then, then God's gonna, gonna give me something back. And that's how a lot of us uh, treat prayer. You know, we might, uh, Jesus specifically mentions people that, that pray in public just so that a lot of people will see them. And, 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 and he's just condemning it, saying, you know, they're, they're not gonna get anything from that. He is, he's talking about people who pray using just lots and lots of words. They just kind of go on and on and on and on. Um, Prayer services were a really common experience in the Hispanic churches that I grew up in. And there were these long prayer services where it would be um, usually from like uh, six o'clock in the evening, sometimes to like two or three in the morning of just like these long prayer services. And I think a lot of what they were doing was heart uh, felt, but we know, we all know lots of people who sometimes feel like they just have to add tons and tons of words to their prayers for, for God to, to hear them and to, to give them what they want. And Jesus is saying, prayer is not about that. Do not be like those people who pray. In fact, he kind of turns it on his head. He says, actually, you know what? Go in secret somewhere. Go and pray somewhere where no one can see you. Go and pray somewhere where only God can see you. And what I love about Jesus is that he doesn't just, he doesn't just leave us hanging. He's not just like, hey, go and pray in secret and then figure out how to pray. He, he, he doesn't just kind of leave it open-ended like that. He says, in fact, I'm going to tell you exactly how you should pray. When you pray, he says, and then he gives us this perfect example of the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is, is this just incredible prayer. A lot of us have memorized. I think it's a very good thing. And it just gives us all of the categories that I think Jesus believes we should be including in our prayers. 
There's lots of things in the Lord's Prayer that we might include like one or two components of, but I think if we really want to pray in a full way that, um, that, that, that really is, is what prayer was meant to be, then we really need to com- include every single one of these components that are in the Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to go quick. It's going to be fast. We don't have a lot of time. I don't want to keep you here for forever. But I wanted to try to go through each of these points and, 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 and mention specific things that, uh, that need to be included in prayers that I think Jesus is, is giving us the example of in the Lord's Prayer. And so the very first line he starts with is, Our, our Father uh, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Um, the, the, the thing I want us to focus on is the way Jesus starts that prayer. Our Father. I've emphasized this point at pre, in previous sermons, but if, in case you don't remember, it's, it's really important to, to, to realize that this language of like father, of brother, of sister, this family language that is really common in Christianity. Um, you might have grown up in a, in a real, uh, uh, lots, of, lots, of, lots of Southern Baptist churches all over. Um, all over the South here will refer to the pastor as like brother so-and-so. Uh, it's this, this term that everybody talks about, you know, I, I guess I would be, I don't know, brother Nick or brother Griffin if, if, we're, if we're keeping that. But that, that family language is something that it, we may take for granted if you've ever been a part of a church, but this is something that was actually really uncommon in most of the world until Christianity. A lot of people will think of like weird cults where people use that term, you know, brother, sister, that refer to certain, to God even as, a, as, as, as your father. But that sort of family language was actually basically unheard of in most of the religious world until the Christians. Uh, e- even for the Jews, it was, it was weird to kind of use some of this language. But the Christians were some of the first people that really understood that, that we are uh, a family, and so they use family language to refer to each other. It's not just that you're my friend. It's not just that you are my companion. It's not even just that you are a fellow believer with me. You are my brother and you are my sister because we have the same father. Not just that we have the same God, but we have the same Father. And relating to God in that relational way, in that familial way, as our Father, is something that is just an incredible uh, freeing reality for me. I think lots of times we treat God as, as, as God, <laughs> and we forget the fact that He is our Father. I think about this a lot whenever people will talk about dressing up for church, uh, something I used to, an argument I used to hear all the time from people that would get upset at people who wouldn't wear a suit and tie and wouldn't dress up to church is they, they would, they would make this argument where they would say, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go visit the president and wear, you know, a a t-shirt and jeans. You wouldn't go see the president in a t-shirt and jeans. You'd put a suit on. So if you're going to do that for the president, you should at least do that for God is, is kind of the argument. And one of the best counter arguments I ever heard to that was from a guy who basically pointed out, he said, I would not wear a suit and tie if the president was my dad. <laughs> if I was going to visit my father, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have to get dressed up like that. Because that familial, relational connection that we have with the God of the universe, he is the God of the universe. He's, he's greater and more uh, to be revered than the president, but he's not just that. He is our father, and it's incredible that Jesus starts that way. The very next line he focuses on is our Father who art in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's two parts in there. The first part is hallowed be your name. I think in this part, Jesus is actually connecting us to the the third commandment of the 10th commandments, the, the commandment that says, do not take the Lord's name in vain. I grew up thinking that that commandment was all about uh, saying the phrase, oh my God, or OMG, or using some version of that. That, that, that you, Saying that phrase was in violation of the third commandment. And I never really considered it, but I was just convinced that that's all that that commandment was about. But as I've, as I've drawn the connections between that commandment and the Lord's prayer here, I've seen that it really goes a lot deeper than that. A lot deeper than, unfortunately, I can even go in today's sermon. So, I always do these teasers, try to get you to, to tune into our Wednesday uh, deep dive podcast that we do live on Facebook at 5 o'clock. This Wednesday, we're going to draw those connections between that third commandment. I want to try to explain what does it actually mean to take the Lord's name in vain, and how is Jesus helping us know how not to do that with this line, hallowed be your name. But the other thing that uh, Jesus is pointing out is this interesting relationship between heaven and, and earth. He points out that God is in heaven, and our desire, our desire as Christians is that God's will in, in heaven also be lived out on earth. This is always something that was really confusing to me because in my mind, I'm like, yeah, of course uh, God's will is going to be done on, on heaven as it is on earth. God, God is the God, the king of everything. Why in the world would his will not be done on earth? And the thing that really helped me understand it, it kind of encapsulated it all, was this really, really awesome uh, quote, actually, uh, from C.S. Lewis. It's a quote that comes up in Mere Christianity, where C.S. Lewis says, this is how he describes earth. He says, it is enemy-occupied territory. That is what the world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. You see, Jesus is the rightful king. Of course, God is the rightful king and his will is, 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 is the will that should be done on earth. But the, the reality, and I think this is a reality we sometimes forget as Christians, is that there is a, a enemy, a real a spiritual enemy that we have uh, as Christians. And, and, and this enemy has, has attempted to, to, to usurp the throne of God. And in fact, in some of the scriptures, it actually it does refer to the enemy as, as kind of the ruler of, 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 of this realm because of the way things have turned out. And so the rightful king is, is God himself, is Jesus himself, and a big part of uh, our job as Christians is just to, to, to open people's eyes, to help them to realize the, the, the enemy, the king that you think is actually in charge of this earth. He, he's not the rightful king. The rightful king is, is the Lord, and his will is what we should be seeking. But then following that verse, we get to the, the, the big section that I, I really want to focus on here, um, where Jesus talks about, uh, give us today our daily bread, he talks about just you know give us what we need just just give us the things that we need uh, you you know what we need give us what we need for today it's it's a very important phrase about the importance of just being content in what God has given us here and now but then he has this very interesting section where he says forgive us our debts 
as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This whole greater section that Jesus ends the, the, the Lord's Prayer with is, is this interesting interplay between uh, asking God to, to forgive us for our debts, for our sins, for the ways that we have trespassed against him, and, 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 he's, and he's making sure that we connect that forgiveness that we receive with the forgiveness that we might show other people. This is a very difficult passage for a lot of people, especially that last part. It's, it's confusing to us. Does Jesus really mean that? If we do not forgive others, then, then, then we will not be forgiven? That, that's, that's a tough truth for us to, 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 to really grasp. But, but what does that mean? Did Jesus really mean that? I want to be, want to be clear. I want, to, I want us to be the kind of people who do not uh, try to overlook the words of Jesus, even the difficult words. And I think Jesus, he, he really means what he says. It is very important that we as Christians be people who forgive. And I, I've, I've been practicing uh, sort of going through the Lord's Prayer a lot myself here recently. And every time I get to that that section about uh, asking for forgiveness, it's it's really easy for me to do that part. It, it might be easy for you. You know, you, you're asking God to to forgive you. We all know we messed up, and we're just asking God, please forgive us. But the the the, the more difficult part comes after that when I realize that I start with asking God to forgive me, and then I have to admit, as I forgive those who who I've sin- who have sinned against me specifically. That forgiveness that I have to show other people is, is the really, really difficult part. And this is one of those passages, like many, that gets used to kind of beat people over the head with. If you are somebody that has been uh, hurt um, by, some, by another person, hurt in very, very deep, uh, very real ways. I've, unfortunately, I've seen this exact passage used to, to try to force uh, women who have been sexually abused or, or, or raped to, to forgive their, their rapists or, 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 or the people that have abused them. I've seen this exact same passage used oftentimes to, to force uh, children who are part of, of difficult, abusive uh, households to, to forgive their parents. And, and it's this, this verse that gets used kind of like a blunt object to try to force people to forgive. And I want to be clear. I want to really explain um, what I increasingly am starting to believe that, that forgiveness actually means. You see, God has always promised to to judge evil. <laughs> Evildoers are not going to get away with it. I think lots of times we we struggle to do this forgiveness part because it feels like these these evil bad people are just are just going to get away with the things that they've done. But God is very clear. I think the passages in the Bible are very very clear. Evil doers, people who do evil, those the sort of people who are abusers who have hurt other people who have, may have hurt you specifically. God is very clear. They're not going to get away with it. Sometimes on earth it feels like they do. It feels like 
they get to do whatever they want. But but the the, the whole promise of Judgment Day <laughs> is that these people are going to be judged for what they do. So um, sometimes the, the the sort of desire to forgive somebody uh, can feel like we're just letting that person get away with it. But I want to be clear: God is 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 promised. <laughs> That he is a just God who judges evildoers. It's, it's clear throughout the whole Bible, and he, he, he's, he has promised to judge evil. The only difference, the only distinction is with the people who are um, a part of, of, of God's family, specifically. Um, the, the, the term that gets brought up towards the end of the, of, of the Bible is people whose, whose names are written in this, in this book of, of life. And, and the thing about these people, the thing about the people who, who are not going to be punished, the, the, the people who don't have to fear Judgment Day, the people whose names are in the book of life, the difference about those people is that they are people who have repented and who have accepted Jesus as their Lord, who have submitted to the, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And those two things are very important. The first one is repentance. Repentance it means turning away from that life of evil that they're doing and turning towards a new life, turning towards, uh, towards God himself. It's not just anybody that, that, that gets to have their sins forgiven. It's clearly people who, who have both adequately acknowledged that they messed up, who have admitted out loud that they are people who have messed up and who have changed their lives, who have turned their lives into a new direction. And they are people who have recognized that, that God is the one who makes the calls. God is the one who directs how we live our lives. And God is the one who uh, ultimately uh, determines how things should go. And, and, and these are the people that are going to be forgiven. It's not just kind of anybody. It's, it's, it's specifically the people who, who have done these things. So what I think Jesus is asking us to do when he asks us to, to forgive our debtors and to, and to forgive those people who have, who have sinned against us, I think he wants us to, to give up our personal uh, right to, to judge those people. I think the, the, the sort of example I give in my head lots of times uh, the, the way I, I would encourage you to think about it is if one of these people who, who has hurt you specifically, if that person was to do all of those things that I mentioned specifically, if they were to admit that they were wrong, if they were to clearly change their life, turn their life toward Jesus, accept the forgiveness that Jesus is offering them, and submit their lives fully to Jesus himself, if all of that were to happen, would you be okay with that, or would you rather that they actually be punished for the things that they're doing? If you, if you find yourself thinking, I'm, I'm going to be mad, I'm going to be upset, I still want them to get what's coming to them, then I, I, would, I would kind of warn you that that is the type of like unforgiveness that Jesus is, 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 is cautioning us against. He's not telling you, just let them get away with it no matter what, but he is clearly saying, if they have repented of all of these things, then you should be able to forgive them in the same way that God himself has forgiven us. And that's something that I never want us to lose sight of specifically. It's not just like a blanket forgiveness. It's not just like a blanket, um, don't worry about what other people have done. 
it is, it is a very specific uh, perspective on, on, on the types of people that um, have been forgiven and given life by God himself. And so what I want us to do with all of these sections, I think Jesus is just kind of clearly showing us some of the, the different ways that we can, we can learn to pray. And I kind of have some homework for you as we uh, finish up today. Uh, the, it, it's, it's a very simple homework, um, one that some of you may be um, uncomfortable with because it, it, it might seem like too ritualistic or something. But I, I, I have been practicing this myself uh, for a few months now, and I, it's been just life-changing. It has been one of the things that has helped me um, more than almost anything I've done in the last few years in my Christian life. And it's a very simple thing. I want you to end every night for the next week and just pray the Lord's Prayer out loud, the exact words. If you don't have it memorized, it's fine. Pull it up in your Bible, on your phone, and just, just read those words. Read those words out loud as a prayer to God um, specifically. Sometimes we're kind of uncomfortable with that. We're uncomfortable with repeating prayers that aren't like our own, we'll say. You know, I'm like, I'd rather pray prayers that are my own words. Um, but I think what Jesus is, is showing us in this passage is that there's a real value to learning how to pray from Jesus himself. And something I've noticed, I heard somebody say this on a podcast that I was listening to, is that lots of times when we try to pray prayers from off the top of our own head, our own word prayers, we end up saying the same things over and over and over again. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've uh, have grown up in a family that prays before uh, every, every meal or if your family prays out loud regularly. But something that becomes really, really common we see lots of times is that we end up saying the same things every time. Each person in the family, you can probably, in your head, imagine exactly what your brother or your sister or your dad or uh, your best friend, you can, you can kind of imagine the same phrases and words that they use over and over and over again. And so it's funny, lots of times by praying our own prayers in our own words, we actually just end up saying the same things over and over again, and I think we miss the, the sort of full and complete prayers that, that, that Jesus is showing us an example of in the Lord's Prayer. I still think that God wants to hear words from our own heart, but sometimes I think he, he, he gave us this, this template for a reason. And one of the best ways to learn this template, to go through each of these, is to, is to just say it uh, out loud for ourselves. And I think the out loud part is important. Um, there really is something different that happens whenever we pray, uh, actually saying uh, the words out loud. Um, and so it's a simple thing, but I, I'd be curious. I, I, I want to hear back from, from any of you who try it. Um, this week, just, just try that. Try uh, reading the, the words of Jesus in this prayer um, every evening uh, out loud specifically. Uh, pray the pray these words not just as something you've memorized, but as something that you are actually praying to God Himself. And I'm I'm hopeful that your experience will be as as incredible and as life giving as mine has. Because I, like I said, I've been I've been doing this myself uh, for for a while now, and it is just hard to explain how much it has changed my own personal prayer life and my own outlook on. Uh, the world as a whole in general. It is is just something that I, I, I just want you to experience for yourself too. So it's really simple. I just want to leave you with that.
I want you to, um, to practice that this week. So I want to end by doing one more practice run of exactly that. Let's, let's, let's read through the Lord's Prayer specifically uh, together. I want to ask uh, you know, all my friends that are hanging out here in person, let's try it out together. Let's all say the words of the Lord's Prayer together. Even, even uh, uh, Noah, Dante, Adrian, all you guys out there, uh, back there in the booth. Let's, let's just do it together. I think it will be something that would be really helpful. Let's say these words together. Let's think about exactly what we're saying, and let's pray it to the Lord as a way to end our service today. So we start. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the power in the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope to see you next week. Tune in this Wednesday if you want to find out a little bit more about that third commandment. I think it's going to be a really interesting one. We're hoping to have a guest on with the podcast, actually, so I'm really excited about that. And I would encourage you, try that out. Do the Lord's Prayer this week, every night. I think it'll be really life-giving. I'm excited to hear back from those of you that try it. It has been something that has been really, really helpful to me. By the way, Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of this service. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you who have been tuning in. And I hope to see you next week. Have a great week.